Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Believe what Jesus has said to you. Go back to the Word. What does He say? You're my son, my daughter, you're my kid. You're way more valuable to Him than anything else in this world. You need to know Adam and Eve were not the pinnacle or the crown of creation. Humanity was, and you're a part of that. He loves us more than anything. The world will tell you many things. Don't believe what others have said to you. Believe what Jesus has told you. Go back to the Word of God. Read it. What does it say? You're a daughter, a son. You're His child. You're way more valuable to Him than anything else in this world. He loves you more than anything. It may sound funny, but He wants you to give up. Give up and surrender your life to Him. Pastor James says, if you're wrestling with Him, wave your white flag and surrender. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Genesis, chapter 32, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. up and he knows how to change people's not just their names but their characters that are associated with those names. Jacob was called Jacob because he was literally grabbing onto his brother's ankle as he was coming out of the womb. They're like, well that one's really hairy so we're going to call him Esau because that's literally what Esau means is hairy and that one is grabbing onto his leg. That's the heel catcher. That's the supplanter. That's Jacob. That's how his parents named him. But Jesus is the only one we see through Scripture showing up saying, like, no, that's not who you are. I'm giving you a new name. I'm giving you a new name. So that's why I believe this is Jesus. I think this is a, uh, you know, Jesus showing up, and he does multiple times throughout the the Old Testament. Um, I believe we've already actually seen him, Genesis chapter 18, where he showed up at Abraham's tent with two other angels. I believe that that was Jesus talking to Abraham. The other two angels went on to Sodom. So here's this man, and he what? He wrestles with him. He wrestles. Listen, if you're in a high-stress situation, okay, the worst you can possibly imagine is happening in your life. The last thing you want, especially from a stranger, you don't know this guy, the last thing you want is for somebody to come up in the middle of the night where you're just trying to get some rest and for that guy to start wrestling with you. You're going to get mad, right? Like, that is the last thing. I don't even want my kids messing with me. I'm like, no, don't even cut. No, give me some space, like, in those stressful situations. Now, all other times, I have no problems with my kids wanting to wrestle with me. But when, like, you know, when the tension's pretty high, things are looming, those clouds are hanging over your heads, you're like, just don't nobody, nobody talk to me, please, no. And then this stranger shows up and puts him in a headlock. And he's like, are you kidding me? Like, what is going on? Now, he knows that this is no ordinary man. This is no ordinary man. But I just find it fascinating that Jesus is going to show up in Jacob's life on the worst night of his life, and he's just going to wrestle with him. 
And we would think, well, no, he doesn't need that. He doesn't need that, Jesus. What he needs is for you to tell him it's going to be okay. And Jesus would say to us, I've already told him it's going to be okay. I've already said that to him multiple times. What he needs is for me to wrestle with him. What he needs is for me to pound him a little bit. Because that's what love does sometimes. What he needs is for me to kind of show him that without me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. So he's wrestling. Fascinating. Jacob's wrestling back. He's wrestling back. Now, I don't want you to think, because I know sometimes when we read through this, it's like that somehow like Jacob's like winning. He's not. You know how it works. If you, if you had any memories of maybe it was a dad, maybe it was an uncle, maybe it was an older brother or something like that, somebody who far outmatched you in size and strength, you know it's just comical for them. It's that thing where they you know, put their hand on the kid's head and the kid's just swinging wildly and you just got them out there and you're like, yeah, it's just, just a pathetic, right? Like, no chance. You got no chance. That's more likely what's happening here. There is a wrestling match, but at any point in time in this wrestling match, Jesus could have easily touched the hip, his hip socket, at any point in time. Jacob may have appreciated it, and now he didn't want his hip being dislocated, but he probably would have, if he had been given the choice, he probably would have chosen it at the very beginning so he wouldn't have spent all night wrestling, but he wouldn't have learned the lesson. He wouldn't have learned the lesson that Jesus needed him to get. So the wrestling, until the breaking of day, all night long, until the breaking of day, verse 25. Now, when he saw that he did not prevail against him, that this man, Jacob, is so stubborn, and he doesn't know the word quit. That's good and bad at the same time. That's good and bad, okay? That's that, you know, that pit bull kind of mentality where, like, you latch onto something, and you're not going to let go. And that could be a good thing, and, and that could end up killing you in the end. Jacob is, like, latched on, and I'm not letting go. So as the day, the sun is starting to come up, Jacob's just not, he's not getting it. He's still wrestling with him. And it says he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Now, please understand, it wasn't as if he touched his hip, went out of socket, and then Jacob's like, okay, I quit. You hurt me. I quit. Jacob is still wrestling. Have you ever dislocated anything? It's not fun. It is not pleasant. And especially your hip. This dude is still fighting. But this is the lesson that Jesus is trying to, trying to teach to him and trying to get him to kind of get a, a, a more of like the Lord's view on Jacob. Like, Jacob, you're a good guy, but man, you don't know when to quit. You don't know when to quit. You think this is all you. You think that the promise being fulfilled is totally dependent upon you. Jacob, it's not you. I'm going to use you, but I'm going to be the source of strength in it. I'm going to be the one who makes it happen. I will use you and work in and through you, but it's not you. It's not the vessel. It's the one who's using the vessel. But Jacob is so determined. I will not, I'm not going to give up. Verse 26, and he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he, Jacob, says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What's his deal with blessings? 
I mean, come on, like, he's, I don't, this guy's like hung up on blessings. I don't know what it is, but he's willing to lie to his dad to get a blessing. You remember that story. We went through that where he, I mean, they even skinned a goat and put goat skin on his arms and on his neck so that he can trick his dad into it. That's how hairy his brother was, that he was Esau. He was willing to lie to his dad to steal a blessing. And now he's holding on to to this man, to Jesus, saying, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. I can't use my leg. My hip's busted, but I will not let you go until you bless me. So determined. So determined. But he's now broken. And we know, and uh, we know if you continue to read through the, as maybe you're doing this, you're reading through the Word uh, for 2019. I highly encourage you to do that. Through the Minor Prophets, you're going to come across this reference to this where it, it lets us know that Jacob at this point in time is not like, like uh-uh, nope, not letting you go, not till you bless me. No, he is absolutely, completely broken at this moment in time. He's weeping. He's crying. He is completely broken, exactly where Jesus needed him to be. And he's saying, I, I got nothing left. You took the one thing away from me that has saved me my whole life, my ability to run, you took that from me. And I can't let you leave me with nothing. Please leave me with something, is what he's saying. Broken. Exactly where Jesus needed him to be. Broken. There's oftentimes where the, where the Lord will show up in our lives and he'll do this for us. He did this for me. Man, it's been almost like 10 years Almost, it's getting close to 10 years. Before we were, when we were kind of in the phase of like when we were up in Amarillo, working at the Calvary Chapel up there, doing the youth ministry, and just knowing that the window for that ministry was closing for me and for my family, and, but not knowing like, okay, well, Lord, where do you want us to go? Um, you know, things are good. It was really good at the church, and the church is growing, all that crazy stuff. And it's like, okay, but where do you want us to go? And then I went to the thing where I always go into and try to figure the stuff out. And I start planning and all the stuff and thinking through all the stuff to where then it started getting really like stressful. It started getting really stressful. And then the demands of work were no longer pleasant. And it wasn't like ministry anymore. It became work. And, and then that mixed in with all the stress and stress and more and more stress and all that. And our bodies aren't designed to deal with stress. They're just not. They break down when there's too much stress in our lives. And that happened to me. That, physically, that happened to me to where... One day, I just knew, like, I don't know what's going on, but something's broken inside of me. Something happened. Something, something's gone wrong. And I reached out to my friend who's a doctor, and I said, listen, something's not right. He's like, all right, let's run some blood work. Well, it turns out my body stopped producing testosterone. Totally crashed out. He's like, you have, like, the testosterone levels of an 80-year-old man. And I was like, uh, well, what am I supposed to do about that? Like, had all the tests done, make sure it's not like cancer or anything like that, and there's no answers. No answers. Go to my doctor and all that stuff, and they're like, we don't know why. Turns Years later, I can look back on it and say like, oh, I think I know why. I think I know what it was. I think the Lord touched the socket of my hip so that he could get me to where he needed me to be. So I would stop all the stuff. And just say, okay, I'm going to wave the white flag. I'm done. I surrendered. I surrendered at 19 when I got saved. It's funny how there's still multiple times throughout our lives where we raise that white flag and we're like, okay, I give up. 
I don't know how I get back here, but I give up. I'm done. I'm done fighting. And what's crazy is, you know, and the Lord has a way of doing things, and, you know, sometimes medicine works, and it did for me for a while, and I haven't actually been on medicine for like four years now since I moved down here, and things seem to be fine. Um, But I don't know. So, but I think that really is a practical, you know, example within my life. Like, I really believe that that was the Lord showing up saying, listen, dude, you're going to kill yourself. What are you worrying about? Is it my plan or is it your plan? Is it your way or is it my way? Is it your wisdom or is it my wisdom? Which, which are you going to rely on? Which are you going to trust in? If it's going to be your way, then just know you're not going to make it. You're not going to be as effective as you could be. But if you just stop then I can use you in ways that you'll never, you never even imagine. So which one do you want? And it's brilliant that he gives us the choice because I could have easily continued down that path because I'm that stubborn. <laughs> I am that stubborn. For whatever reason, that was for me, that was one of those moments where it's like, okay, I'm done. Okay, I'm done. Now, do I pick up that thing and still run with it every so often? Yeah, yeah, I do. I've had multiple times down here where I'm like, okay, Lord, um, I think I'm back to where I was. Get me back on track. Get my focus back on you. Focus back on you. This is what's happening for Jacob. And so verse 27, Jesus says to him, well, what's your name? Who are you? Jesus knows all things. It's not that he didn't know who he was wrestling with. He already knows who Jacob is. But again, he's not talking about like, what do your parents call you? What do your wives call you? What do your kids call you? He's not asking that. He's not, what's, what's that thing on your driver's license? What, what's your name? It's, it's not that. Who are you? Character-wise, what's your name? Another moment of honesty, brutal honesty in Jacob's life, where he says, Jacob. And that's it. And we may think, well, well, of course, he's going to answer Jacob. No, it's beyond that. This is him identifying with the fact that he's like, I'm Jacob. I'm the deceiver. I'm the hill catcher. I, I, I'm that guy. I, I'm that guy that everybody knows me as, you know, that you can't really trust. You want to know who I am, Jesus? That's who I am. That's who I am. Jesus got him to that place where he finally would own up to it. It's like, okay, yeah, that's me. That's me. Because it's when he can get him there, when he can get us to this point where it's like, well, who are you? Well, everybody says I'm this. And then some people say I'm this. But Lord, if you really want to know, this is who I am. And then Jesus so brilliantly can step into your life and say, yeah. No, that's not who you are. That's not who you are. This is who you are, because this is how I see you. And how he sees us, his perspective, his reality trumps ours. You need to understand that. You need to know that. I don't know how you were labeled growing up. I don't know what tags were put on you growing up or whatever association you may have had with different parental figures or, or social economic status or what you need to know more than anything is how Jesus sees you. That's your real identity. It far surpasses anybody's opinion of you. 
But he's, he's got to get us to this place where it's like, who are you? And I remember, I mean, for me, this, this takes me back to when I was 19 years old. And I, I was, it was at nighttime for me, too. I was all by myself as well. Mountains of Colorado. I'm there. And he's like, who are you, James? Who are you? I don't know. Everybody tells me I'm this. I kind of feel like I'm this. But I don't know who I am. I'm a nobody. Jesus, I'm a nobody. He's like, yeah. I like dealing with nobodies. I could take a nobody and turn them into a somebody. That was enough for me. That was enough for me. What's your name? Who are you? Don't believe, don't believe what other people have said to you in the past. Believe what Jesus has said to you. Go back to the word. What does he say? You're my son and my daughter. You're my kid. You're way more valuable to him than anything else in this world. You need to know Adam and Eve were not the pinnacle or the crown of creation. Humanity was, and you're a part of that. He loves us more than anything. So much that he says, yeah, you may have been Jacob, but I'm giving you a new character. I'm giving you a new name. And he says... Verse 28, he says, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men, and you have prevailed. Israel meaning uh, God governed is is how a lot of people would identify that, or um, struggles with God. Uh, There are actually some commentators who would say that even this word Israel could mean God fights, meaning God fights for you. And we know that about the nation of Israel. Don't mess with the nation of Israel. (laughs) Don't mess with those guys because God fights for them. How incredible it is that your identity, your character can be changed into a thing where it's, you're no longer the deceiver. You're no longer the heel catcher. You are, God fights for me. This name just totally indicates what God has already been doing for Jacob And we'll see in a second. So amazing how this works. Jesus is so brilliant. He's so brilliant. He's like, dude, your name's not that. Your name's Israel. God govern. God fights for you. Oh, by the way, I've been fighting for you your whole life. Just so you know, yeah, your brother Esau is coming with 400 guys. Yeah, he probably was coming to murder you, but I fought for you. I changed his heart. He's not coming to murder you. You're going to have a family reunion with this guy. Beyond what you could have ever even imagined. But before you get there, he goes on to say, Jacob says to him, tell me your name, I pray. And he says, why is it that you asked my name? And he blessed him there and took off. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face. Again, another indication that this was not just an angel. I've seen God face to face and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Penuel, the, the sun rose on him, not just signifying a new day, this is a new start for Jacob. New character, new name, new start. His mercies are new every day. What a beautiful sunrise, the most beautiful sunrise Jacob had ever seen in his life was being able to cross over that little brook to go find his family as he's watching the sunrise. He's saying, man. I don't know what just happened to me, 
But uh, Jesus says, this guy's now calling me Israel, and I still feel like a Jacob. And at times, he'll still act like Jacob, okay? But it says he limped on his hip, because that thing would never be the same. Sometimes those spots in our lives where Jesus has to touch and kind of break a little bit, sometimes they don't ever go back to the way they were. And we may think like, well, that's kind of a bummer, right? He should have been fully restored and all that. He doesn't need to be. Sometimes it's better to walk through life with a limp, right? And Jesus would even say so, like, hey, if your right eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out, get rid of it. Not literally, don't do that. But just saying, like, you need to be that severe with, like, sin. If your right hand, chop it off. It's better to go into heaven, missing an eye, missing a hand, than not to go at all. Just saying. Sometimes it's better to walk around in this life with a little bit of a limp. As a reminder of like, yeah, I wrestled with God. Yeah, he broke me. <laughs> yeah, like no contest. Why did I hang on for so long? Why did it take me so long to learn that lesson? I don't know. But he walks with the limp. Verse 32, 32, therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle that shrank, which is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip in the muscle that shrank. And, and we know this. Remember that this is Moses who is being used to author this book through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit for the children of Israel as they are progressing into the promised land. So all these stories mean something to them, okay? It's more than just Jacob wrestling with God. It's Jacob getting his identity as Israel. That's their identity. Moses says, hey, you want to know where the name Israel came from? Let me tell you a story. Oh, yeah, by the way, you ever thought about why we don't eat that part? No, here's why. So it, it serves as a good reminder for them, not just of the cultural things, all that, but just the reminder of like, hey, listen, you remember how God was watching over Jacob? Yeah, he's watching over us as well. The cloud before us, pillar of fire, we're going to be okay. Let's just keep moving to the promised land. And the journey there, Jesus will get us there. We don't have to worry about it. So I, I would hope that that would be an encouragement for all of us. Listen, if you're wrestling, wave the white flag and just say, okay, Lord, I just, I surrender. I'm done. I surrender. I surrender. Give up. Just give up. Not on yourself, not on life, none of that. Not, just give up and surrender to him saying, listen, I can't. I just can't do this in my own strength. I can't do it. Well, that's why we have church. I hope you know that, that this isn't just like some social gathering and let's, let's just get together and we'll kind of make each other feel better about ourselves, hopefully, and all that. It's not, it's not that. We gather together so that we can encourage each other because some of us are walking with limps. And Paul would even tell the church of Corinth, he's like, listen, you've gone through things in your life because God's going to use those things to minister to other people. That's why we gather together because we're not meant to do this thing on our own. We can't. So when we gather together, let's encourage one another. Let's be praying for one another. Collect names from each other. Say, hey, how can I be praying for you this week? That's what churches should be doing for each other. They're just saying, hey, can you be praying for me for this? Man, I got something coming up, and I just need some extra prayer. We should be able to have those conversations with each other when we show up on Sunday mornings. And I would encourage all of us to do that. Just watch each other's backs. We're all on a journey to the promised land. This ain't it. So let's encourage each other as we're journeying together to get there. The beginning of the world has been a hotly contested topic for some time now, and the debate has caused many to dig deeper into their origin. The simplest answer is often the one that's correct. 
our world and everything in it, was molded and placed in its orbit by a supreme being, God. The account of this beginning and the first people to walk the earth is recorded for us in the pages of the Bible, in the book of Genesis. God's authority over nature and humankind has been evident from the start. He simply spoke and all took shape. God formed people to inhabit this beautiful planet, to care for it and for each other. Pastor James Grizzle has been taking the time to share God's plan for life from the pages of Genesis. And we hope you'll tune in again to continue the story. If you missed any part of today's message on Bread for the Broken, don't worry. You can find it now on our website, breadforthebroken.com. Listen through all of Pastor James' teachings that we've made available there, and feel free to share them with any friends or family you think would find it helpful. That website again is breadforthebroken.com. We're so glad you chose to spend time with us today, and we want you to know that we're keeping you in our prayers every time we produce another edition of this program. Each edition of Bread for the Broken is made with our listeners in mind, and we want to make sure our Creator is the first one we're all turning to. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Bread for the Broken. It's our prayer that every listener finds hope and new life in Jesus.